Hello and welcome to Makers.dev, episode at number 119. Chris, it's been a minute. I think for our listeners, it's been like a week, but for us, it's been like three weeks. We got some stuff to catch up on. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, general summer stuff plus plans and everything. Yeah, three weeks. I have a quick fun fact for you about the number 119. I right. <laughs> please, please don't give me a chance if you're listening to this and you hate the fun number facts. It's <laughs> I don't, I enjoy they've already, it. they've already skipped they're, it. They're already <laughs> they're gone. Already it's fine. <laughs> I was looking at the Wikipedia page for the number 119 and, uh, there was nothing super interesting about the number. So I, I went to the year 119 AD and was interested that the only person that seemed to have done anything of note in the year 119 was Roman emperor Hadrian. And I learned a little bit about the Roman emperor Hadrian. First of all, I think it's, I think it's interesting that like an entire year in our history might only have a single person that did anything of note that that we know the name of like do you know the name hadrian does that mean anything to you nope okay nope. i i know of it i think because of hadrian's wall which when i was studying mm. abroad in oxford was a thing that my friends took a big walk on it's like a, a big walk that you can take from one side of england to the other which is kind of cool and like mm. the idea that like you know the year 119 isn't that long ago it's like less than two thousand years ago and yet an entire year has just there's a little fragment of a thing of like this is the only thing of note that happened the entire year so emperor hadrian in this year like went around and did some stuff uh visited some things and i thought it was interesting that he seemed to unlike his predecessors he was focused on like solidifying and protecting his kingdom so did things like built hadrian's wall on the uh sort of on the border of of scotland and england uh, to kind of shore things up and went around and visited all these different areas and uh, got it all together. And it, I was reminded of this general principle of like, in life, you go through these divergent and then convergent uh, uh, phases. Like when I'm looking for a new assistant, I, I explore a bunch of assistants I, I could be looking for. And then I find the best one and I uh explore exploit is that is the name of it. i'm not exploiting this woman I, I i don't i hope not uh it's also got the multi-arm bandit problem but uh I, I was reminded of that like it's interesting to see that this trend seemed to have continued in roman emperors like it, it seems like a universal that hadrian was one of the uh exploit like convergent shore up the things that we have uh and then later i think it was two emperors later you get marcus aurelius who like maybe because of i don't know enough about roman history but it's possible that because of this more shoring up uh you get one of the best emperors that's ever existed so that's my fun fact about the number 119 all right we we're done now <laughs> you can you can stop skipping ahead we're going to talk about other stuff um, excellent how are you what did you get up to in these last three weeks uh i'm doing all right um so i don't have an active cattle competition and I haven't, uh, I don't have my master's class right now. So I've been doing my job. And like we talked about last time, uh, you and I are both interested in losing some weight, getting healthier. And so I dove headfirst into that. So for three weeks, I've been learning all about nutrition and exercise and implementing things. Um, I built a climbing wall as part of that. That's all better. Yeah. That looks, it looks really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, that's stage one climbing wall. It's just vertical and it's, you know, a lot of big holds and stuff. So it's for the kids as much as me or maybe more than me. And it was also a test run to build my bigger one, which I'm planning to do. Um, but I also completely changed my diet and I'm getting my labs values rechecked in a few weeks. And so that was uh, impetus for this as well. Uh, and I ended up losing 17 pounds in three so, weeks In three weeks, 17 pounds. And we, 
we could talk about why that is healthy. Let's um, let's start. I have so many things I want to ask you about. Let's start there, <laughs> because the advice that I've heard, and I'm not sure where this comes from, is that it's unhealthy to lose more than a pound or two a week, and mm-hmm. 17 pounds in three weeks. I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure two times three is six. I'm pretty sure uh, six is much less than 17. Uh, defend yourself. <laughs> What's how is yeah. that? How is that? So, First of all, so I'm six foot one, and about a month and a half ago, I weighed 235, which is into the obese category, yeah, yeah. Uh, which feels bad, man. Um, 190 for so me I'll, is also into the obese category. I'm, I'm five. Is nine. it really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. We, we were okay. Both obese. So that's two. That's 230, 230 for the for six one. Yeah. Um, and about three weeks ago, when we when we talked last, I was about 230, so right on the edge there. Okay. Um, when you are that when you're that high, it, it is safe to lose more than a pound or two a week for sure. Okay. Um, people who are 600 pounds, they can lose a thousand, or <laughs> I was going to say a thousand pounds. They can lose a hundred pounds a month. Uh, and that is, seems totally safe. Interesting. Uh, well, it's, it's safe as you can be at 600 pounds, but basically the more weight you have on you, the more weight you can lose. So that that's number one. Okay. Um, that's not a variable I consider, but that makes sense. I think I, I heard of a case study of someone who was morbidly obese and just didn't eat. I think they, they were having like water and, yeah. and vitamins and salt. And they didn't eat yeah. for something like six months or a year, and just it was a year, yeah, three hundred something days. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm with it. Um, so that's number one. Number two is you have to consider which type of weight you're losing. Mm. So my body stores about ten pounds of what we would call water weight, but it's like it's fluids plus this glycogen in your liver, which is like quick access stuff. Yeah. And I know that because when I get sick, I can lose five or ten pounds in just a few days, okay. but then I gain it all right back right away. Yeah, yeah. So that's not fat or muscle. That is that is this quick access stuff and i just know that about my body mm. so the, during the first week that's what i lost is about 10 pounds um, because that's just the quick access stuff since then i've lost another seven which is about three and a half pounds a week mm. so much closer to what you've heard is healthy and i have one of those scales that measures body fat and i've i can see that most of that second and third week weight loss is body fat mm. so like six out of the seven pounds it marked as body fat cool. um so that is my defense on why it is safe i'm, I'm way overweight and after the first week, it's more like three and a half pounds a week. Okay. You convinced me. That makes sense. Maybe I should set more uh, ambitious goals for myself. I, uh, when, when I was modeling this for myself, I did the same tactic that we talked about last time. I think it was last time of uh, like breaking it down and then printing off a list of, you know, for this date, this is my target weight. Uh, aiming for, I think I set it for a pound a week. Yeah. Cause it worked out perfectly that like from where I was at 190 to get down to 170, uh, for you know, multiply the number of weeks and the, and the number of pounds, uh, right. I would finish like October 10th and our daughter is due on October 4th. So that seemed uh, pretty perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I forgot where I was going with that. Uh, I mean, it, it's easier to lose pounds now. And then as you approach your ideal weight, it'll be harder and harder to lose those last pounds. Yeah, so maybe that's, yeah. like that's well, the general. I, oh, I, I was talking about being more ambitious that like, Oh, sure. Maybe, uh, you know, it, it, it might look very different than that if it's possible to, to lose 17 pounds in two weeks. So far, I'm like right on schedule, uh, maybe a little bit oh. ahead, but if it's possible to lose more, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking too small. I'm curious how you're thinking about nutrition. What, what was your diet and uh, what's it shifted to? Yeah, so it's completely changed. Um, when, you, when, you, yeah, when you lose weight, you want to make sure you're getting adequate nutrition. You don't want to starve yourself, yeah. basically. So that's important. Um, and so I'm thinking about this a few ways the main thing is that i have lost weight before but then i just gained it back so the thing i started with is what can i do long term to maintain this once i'm done Mm. and then how can i 
you know, modify that to we lose weight, but then also have it be my long-term strategy. Um, so this is what I came up with. Um, first of all, uh, I'm not a doctor and your results may vary. My body is my body, et cetera. Um, but there are a few general trends. Um, so, so first I knew that I eat 80 to 90% of my calories at home. And that's when I can completely control what I eat the rest of the time. So when I'm at other people's house, uh, houses on holidays, even when I go out to eat, I'm marking those as free instead of cheat days. Those are like cheat environments. Mm. So when I'm outside my house, I can do whatever I want inside my house. I'm going to set some strict rules for myself because that's how I know that I can follow the diet. Mm. Um, if I have the stuff in the house, I'm going to eat it or drink it. Mm. If it's not even in the house, then I won't. And then when I go out, that's when I can have it. So that's the general rule to start. Um, second is no matter what diet sort of person you listen to, they all agree on a couple things. One is cut out all the ultra processed foods. Mm. Um, ultra processed foods in general are terrible for health. And you also eat way more of them than you think mm. it's easy to way overeat donuts, for example, mm. compared to anything else, you know, for example, what's an example um, of, uh, uh, ultra processed food that you were eating, were you eating donuts? Uh, no. So like cereal, okay. <laughs> cereal is terrible for you. Like general, like sugary cereal, yeah, yeah. um, anything with a lot of added sugar. Uh, so during my weight loss part, I'm also cutting out refined grains. So like bread, tortillas, that kind of yeah. thing. As I go to maintenance mode, I'll probably add those back in, you know, sparingly, but during weight loss, like it's really easy to overeat bread. Mm. So stuff like that. Um, the other thing I'm cutting out is, so anything with added sugars, I would consider ultra processed. The other thing I'm cutting out is all of my cherry Coke zero, which I love very much. Mm. Um, the artificial sweeteners don't bother me that much, depending on who you talk to. Maybe they're bad. Maybe they're not, but I, I, whenever I have a cherry Coke zero, I want something else Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah, yeah. or ice cream, or like it, it basically heightens up my, my taste receptors for sugar. Yeah. And so whether or not it's bad in itself, it makes me want the bad things. Yep. Um, I found so the same thing that with artificial sweeteners, like stevia and all that. I, my, my framing of it is that it, it resets my threshold for the type of food that's appealing to me to be too sweet. So after I eat, uh, you know, after I drink a, uh, 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 oh, what's it called? It's a stevia flavored soda. I forgot what it's called, mm. uh, which in itself theoretically is fine, although it may have repercussions and gut bacteria. Uh, I'm, right. I'm not sure about that. Uh, after I have that, the, the thought of like eating a stick of celery is like <laughs> the least appealing thing in the world. Like exactly. I want, I want a banana smoothie or something. Uh, yeah, that, that tracks. Yep. Um, and then I also cut out alcohol, um, mm. still allowing myself to have it out to eat or whatever, but I'm just not going to have it in the house mm. uh, because it does two things to me. It, it's just empty calories. Mm. And also when you're a little tipsy, I think you're way more likely to eat stuff that's yeah, bad for you. Yeah. Like I want alcohol and chicken wings yeah, <laughs> uh, or, or pizza, um, both of which I would consider ultra processed. And so I cut out. Can I ask what your drinking habits were before the diet? Uh, yeah, I would have black coffee in the morning, which is fine. I still have that. Then I'd have two Cherry Coke Zeros at lunch. And then I would have one to two days of alcohol a week. Okay. So, um, like wine with dinner, like, like a beer, like, like three beers okay. a night on the weekends, okay, okay. you know, so makes sense. Yeah. As, yep. as far as I can tell in all the health research I've done, alcohol, alcohol probably just bad for you. I think there was one study yes. that was, uh, talked about how red wine might be good for you because of poly, polypropanols, polyphen polyphenols. polyphenols. Yeah. Uh, yeah. some some so sort they, of like antioxidant effect but uh i think you can also just take a supplement for that and also the the like net effect of it 
is probably still bad. Yes. So they, they went back and looked at that study. Red wine may or may not have some effect, but for any good effect you show, non-alcoholic wine shows a better effect. Interesting. And so it's not the alcohol, it's the grapes. There's That's non-alcoholic wine's a thing? Isn't that just like Welch's grape juice? Yep. <laughs> What's non-alcoholic wine? So you can do wake, you can do grape juice. There's also non-alcoholic wine, which is different. I don't know how, but like I've never uh, heard of that. they use it for like like certain uh, Jewish traditions use it for something. Interesting. Um, so you can buy non-alcoholic wine. There's also like these designer, just like non-alcoholic beer is sort of having its heyday right now. Uh, there's non-alcoholic mixing drinks and wine that's come out. Yeah. I'm fascinated that's, by the concept yeah. of uh, non-alcoholic wine. I'll check that out. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so that, that's that's one pillar of this. Sounds like the the main tenets of it are uh, the you're you're only being restrictive for the ninety percent of food that you're eating at home. Uh, you can have cheat environments. That's like when you're going out or when you're at a friend's house, and that would would you consider like you know if, if they had donuts at a friend's house, are you gonna and you know donuts and beer? Are you gonna have donuts and beer? Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm not gonna go crazy, but I'm also not gonna restrict myself. Yeah. So if that's what they have, then I'll eat that happily. Yeah. Um, but not, so not during my weight loss part. During my weight loss portion, I want to try to restrict as much as possible just to get it done. But you know. The, for 10 percent of my meals if i have even if i just had donuts and beer well maybe that would be bad but um like i'm, I'm not worried about the 10 percent of my meals yeah. it's the stuff the everyday stuff i'm worried about i think that's reasonable and i think it's uh you know the, any any sort of behavior change like this requires a negotiation with yourself and setting it too yeah. strict is as dangerous as not setting it strict enough because setting it too strict means you're going to rebel against yourself and yeah right that, that sounds reasonable like your your environment is something you can control uh controlling the groceries that are going into your house is something that you have pretty tight conscious control of when you're when you're doing it intentionally so yeah aiming for once you're in maintenance mode to give yourself the grace of like eat however you want when you're out uh yeah that makes a lot of sense to me tim ferris has a similar philosophy on food i think in the four-hour diet he talks about the concept of fatter days where it's it's a mm. it's a more traditional cheat day um that like yep. Uh, he doesn't do low carb. He does slow carb, and all the the same sort of things you're saying of like uh, no processed food, no sugar. Uh, but then one day a week on I think Saturday is his day. He can just eat whatever he wants, uh, and then he might fast the next day at, to like counteract yeah. what he what he just did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. so fasting is common. Yeah, go ahead. The uh, same same sort of concept of like you know give yourself. Uh, it's a negotiation. Do what you need to do so that you don't rebel against the, the framework that you wanted to set up. Um, yep. The next thing I wanted to ask you is if you're thinking about uh, caloric restriction, are you doing any sort of calorie counting? Yeah. So I hate calorie counting. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing two things if so that I don't have to calorie count. To make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the first is uh, you can be fancy and call it intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, uh, but I'm just skipping breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm having black coffee for, for breakfast, and uh, that, that works out great. Um, there are studies which may show some, diff some difference over calorie restriction, but essentially skipping a meal just leads to calorie restriction, mm -hmm. and so there's essentially no difference. Um, some of these longer fasts, they may have unique benefits, but time-restricted eating uh, generally is 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 perfectly safe mm -hmm. and is approximately equivalent to calorie restriction. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's good too, because then it's, it's so much less work to, to yeah. be logging every single thing that you're eating. If you just build the habit of, Oh, for breakfast, I just have black coffee and nothing else. You know, that's, that's easier than what you're doing before. You're not having to make sugary cereal or whatever. You, you don't have to take it out of the fridge and 
you know on the back end you don't have to be buying the cereal and make sure that you have milk and then there's always a different amount of cereal and milk so you always have more of one than the other uh right as a, as a kid sometimes when i run out of milk i would make cereal with juice and it was terrible oh gross <laughs> it was so bad <laughs> um anyway uh yeah so so like having the habit of just like you're not eating breakfast is so much easier to do and probably gets you I don't know, at least 80% of the benefit you would get if you were strictly counting calories. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's about where I landed to in, in my journey with this. I calculated roughly what the calories were for a few of the meals that I ate just so I got like a rough calibration and was able to rule out, oh my gosh, like this this banana, peanut butter, coconut milk smoothie I'm making in the morning uh, is like a thousand calories, but it's a thousand calories because I'm using coconut milk. If I just swap out the coconut right. milk for a different milk, now it's a more reasonable i think it's like 400 calories okay so i can i can yep you know let's, let's make that adjustment and then uh yeah uh i i don't really have to think about it i'll do intermittent fasting and and uh just have a, a vague sense of you know oh mayonnaise is 100 calories per tablespoon i yep. i could eat a thousand calories of man- i i love mayonnaise <laughs> i could eat a thousand calories of mayonnaise like easily without thinking about it so let me be more mindful yeah. of the amount of uh, mayonnaise i'm using um okay Cool. Uh, and then the the second pillar, of, so that, that was all kind of nutrition uh, and what you're eating and drinking. The the second pillar of this and of any sort of weight loss or, or health style thing is uh, exercise and activity. Uh, you built the climbing wall. What, what else are you doing exercise-wise? Yep. So interesting uh, thing about exercise is that it, it probably doesn't matter for weight loss, mm. which is very interesting but it definitely matters for heart health and general long-term mm. health. Um, well, okay. There, there's two parts of exercises like aerobic and anaerobic or, or like the climbing wall bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing more resistant. So first of all, I'm doing more resistance stuff like body weight squats, pushups, and then the climbing wall stuff mm. because I don't want to lose muscle mass yeah. while dieting. Yep. So that's important is to up, up your resistance training. Okay. Um, and then I'm also doing essentially walking more walking so that my labs get better my, you know, blood sugar and cholesterol gets better and like generally for heart health, mm. but walking won't make you lose weight mm. probably. Um, but so I am doing more, but more for health reasons than weight loss reasons. Cool. Yeah. Walking and strength training is also where I landed with that. Um, doing more. Uh, I think that the mantra I heard is you can't, you can't out exercise a bad diet. And that, yeah. that really hit home for me when I was I was on an exercise bike and tracking the calories uh, with the Apple Watch. And it took me like 10 or 15 minutes to burn 100 calories. <laughs> and it's yep. like, I gotta, you know, I, gotta, I gotta go out and like be wearing the right clothes. It's like, it's not, it's not easy to burn 100 calories on a bike. Um, <laughs> the whole time I was thinking like, this is a tablespoon of mayonnaise that I'm working towards right now. How much yep. easier would it be if I just didn't eat a tablespoon of mayonnaise? <laughs> Uh, yep. I could totally get for like the type A personality that like has to have their whatever, uh, you know, you can't not eat the food that, that yeah. you would want to do more aerobic stuff. Uh, but yeah, the, the so, diet's a, a much easier lever. Yeah. So it's even worse than that too, because there have been studies that have shown essentially as you do more and more exercise, your body gets more and more efficient. And uh, so you burn less calories per unit of exercise. That's interesting. And so yeah so you really so they they've studied one of these one examples of the studies is tribes in africa which have like five times the exercise that we do just day-to-day life and they don't burn five times the calories they burn maybe slightly more than we mm. do because your body is just way more efficient that's how i would want it to and work so, yeah that makes sense 
yeah good job bodies so yeah and then what you said about uh not losing muscle makes a lot of sense too and strength training seems to be the best way to do that that uh it seems like decomposing uh like uh autophagy this idea that your body goes in metabolism where it's it's eating itself which is what you want for weight loss uh i think muscle is more bioavailable to break down than fat so if you're still telling your body that you need the muscle uh it doesn't break that down and, and targets more of the fat does that track so, so so this also and i'm not i haven't looked this up as much but i think this depends on how much extra fat you have to lose mm -hmm. so if you're more overweight then fat is easier mm -hmm. as you get closer to your body weight they're more equal or or pro, or, or uh, muscle may even be easier okay. and that's why if you're near your ideal weight and you're losing a lot of weight you got to really make sure it's not yeah, muscle yeah that's good to know. but when you're really over when you're really overweight your body's just like get rid of this fat especially like internal organs which is the good fat to get rid okay. of uh, it's, it's the bad fat for you um yeah, your body gets rid of that first, generally. Cool. I think. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Yeah. I think we've landed in very similar positions with this. Um, yeah. Neat. I... But, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there is one thing which I'm doing, which I know you're not doing, and you have brought up before, which is I'm eating mostly plants. Uh, and I think you have tried keto or something like that. Um, yeah. I also yeah. tried the all-meat so diet, yeah. and that was wild. Uh, and I think I'm moving <laughs> away from that. I think... The, yeah. uh, Michael Pollan's book, eat, "Eat Food Mostly Plants, Not Too Much." I think that's yep. I think that's probably right. Um, yep. It's tough though. That, uh, it, it's tough that there's. I hear arguments that that are appealing to me of like why eating plants might not be good. Uh, the the argument of the all meat diet is that plants don't want you to eat them, and their defense is a purely chemical one. Animals don't want you to Neither feed them. cows. They don't, but <laughs> okay. their defense isn't a chemical one. It's like they're going to try to run away from you. After you've caught sure. them or tricked them into living in slavery and terrible, uh, I'm not going to get into that, uh, uh, then, you know, the meat is, is bioavailable and it's much easier fuel. Um, but there's like a lot of toxins that come in the plants. But then the counter argument to that that I've heard is actually the toxins are kind of good for you. You want your body to go through some yes. stress. You don't want just like the easiest soupy stuff to be injected right in your veins. You, like humans in general work the best when they're challenged, when they're, when they're going through uh, uh, some sort of struggle. So you want the same sort of thing for your digestive system. You don't want to just like, you know, inject glucose into your veins. That's, that's terrible for you. Um, yeah. So... I think that's probably right. That's that's kind of where I've landed. That keto's too extreme. Uh, the whole meat diet, uh, all meat diet, is definitely too extreme. Something more akin to like Mediterranean diet, whole thirty, eat food mostly plants, not too much. That's that's probably right. Um, and I still feel frustrated that there's not like an answer. <laughs> that what yeah. I would love is just you know, soylent, but scientifically. <laughs> Uh, uh, verified that like this is the best thing for you that is gonna help you live the longest. Yeah. If if someone could give me that product, uh, that's all I would eat. And and yeah, I, you know I would have exceptions if I'm going out to a nice meal or uh, sell. But like like uh, I like the way you're framing that you have uh, environmental exceptions. Um, I would still do that. But like if I could just not think about food again and just have whatever a powder or frozen drink or something that is, that's just all the food I eat, I would love to do that. And it seems like we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely not there yet. Um, for a couple reasons. Uh, so that I'll say the reason I'm doing plants is, is two reasons. One is, um, you can eat like as many plants as you want. Uh, and I hate calorie counting. I hate not feeling yeah. full. And so I like today I had this huge plate of sweet potatoes and beans and, uh, mangoes and, 
some grain and broccoli all covered in guacamole and, and salsa. That sounds great. And like, it was, it was huge. Yeah. I'm not missing anything. I, I don't miss the meat. It's so, it's so calorically dilute. I can eat an entire plate of it and not gain the weight, actually lose a lot of weight. So that's mainly why I'm doing it. Um, but also because my family history is of heart disease and diabetes. Yeah. And we have very long-term studies which show that plant-based diets are protective against those. Uh, for meat-based diets, we simply don't have the long-term data yet yeah. because Atkins has been around, what, since maybe the 70s or 80s? So, like, we don't have people who have lived to 100 who have eaten just meat, except for there's a few tribes around, right? But I'm not part of those tribes. Right. So, like, I, like I'm, you know, that's that doesn't apply to me. Um, yeah. And so we, so we have a lot of long-term studies of plant-based eating pr- being protective against the things that I know have killed my relatives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's why I'm doing that. Um, the, the second thing I'll say is we only have population studies. So maybe a meat-based diet is okay for some people. It's certainly not okay for some other people, mm-hmm. say people who, you know, high saturated fat uh, leads to more heart attacks. Like I know my family. Um, so, but I'm, so, so basically I have to pull the population studies that are more, most applicable to me, even knowing there's variation in, in there, if that makes sense. So like, um, yeah, so it's, it's hard to show things in population studies. And so you have to be careful because it's your body. So you got to do what you think is best for your body. I feel like yeah. the most rigorous approach to this is what the founder of Braintree is doing. Have you, have you seen him on YouTube? His no. channel started growing. So he, he founded Braintree, sold it for in the hundreds of millions and, uh, is working on some interesting stuff in brain neural interfaces. But it seems like the main thing he's focused on is trying to live as long as possible and the way that he goes about okay. it is like, so he's got hundreds of millions of dollars, right? So he spends something like $2 million a year on a team of medical advisors and coaches and lab tests and a bunch of medical gear to try to figure out for him and his body what yeah. is reversing or slowing aging the fastest. And they're doing it like based on his blood work and based on his body fat percentage and based on mitochondrial uh, measuring the length of telomeres and a bunch of other fancy stuff. Um, and that seems like the best thing to do, like with infinite resources, you, you wouldn't be looking at population data. You'd be looking at, okay, for me in particular, how is eating entirely meat or eating entirely vegetables impacting the, the markers that are most likely going to lead to cardiovascular disease or, or diabetes or, uh, heart disease. Um, but we can't do that. (laughs) Uh, right. So. It seems like probably the best bet is go off of the markers that we have. It sounds like you got blood work done. I think that's a pretty good proxy. Um, they get you a lot of information. And then, yeah, go off of population data, see what's worked for people in the past. And, yeah, seems like probably eating mostly plants is the way to go. Are you doing uh, uh, entirely vegetarian or, or a, a small amount of meat? So uh, at home, I've been trying during weight loss mode. I'm trying to stick as close to vegan as possible. Okay. And I don't... Vegan is a very overloaded word. Uh, whole plant foods. So okay. you can, like Oreos are vegan. I'm not eating Oreos. <laughs> I'm eating like, you know, chickpeas and black beans and sweet potatoes and broccoli yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, when I was out, like I was just camping this weekend. So I had, you know, meat-based chili and a hot dog. And like, so I'm not being religious yeah. about it. I'm trying to eat mostly plant foods at home. Mostly, honestly, because I can eat as much as possible, uh, as much as I want and still lose the weight. Like they're just so calorically dilute. Yeah. I, that that's why I'm doing it because I don't want to count calories where like, I don't want to be like, I only get a half an egg today, you yeah. know, like that's, that feels really bad. And so I'm just cutting them out entirely and I actually don't miss them uh, on my day to day yet. I probably will in a month or so. And that's when I will start introducing them back in. Sure. But yeah, 
so far. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Uh, anecdotally, uh, uh, close friend of mine, uh, the, the magician trick, we've talked about him several times on yeah. this podcast. Uh, he's vegan and he is one of the fittest people I know in our age range. Part of that, I think, is that he's just super active. He's hauling something like 400 pounds of props across the country and across the world, actually, just routinely. And he, he like, books it through the airport. I travel with him once. <laughs> he's, he's, like, going faster than me with just my backpack with 400 pounds of these huge uh, gun cases is what he travels with because that's, like, the best protective thing for his props. Uh, just booking it through airports. It's, it's incredible. Uh, but then he also uh, eats entirely plant-based and... I think he also eats fish, but he may have cut fish out recently. Um, and that's that's the way that he's eaten, I think, his entire life, like since he was a kid. Um, and he looks great. So that's, yeah, uh, it, it tracks for me that that's the right way to, to eat. Uh, and I feel no. frustrated that I don't have, that I can't say objectively, like, this is definitely the best thing for me. Uh, yeah, I, I aspire to be more rigorous in that. Uh, yeah, so I could share a whole bunch of resources if you care. Uh, but during my three weeks of research, this is what I've come up with that leads me to believe it is perfectly healthy and to, to lose weight and uh, even for the long term. If you, if you do go fully uh, vegan, by the way, you do need to supplement B12. Mm. That's the only supplement you need. Make sure you get enough B12. Otherwise, uh, you should be good mm. to go. But yeah. Cool. Notice. Did you use ChatGPT in doing your research? Uh, nope. <laughs> I used uh, a lot of YouTube. I like watching YouTube. You have to be very careful on YouTube because people say whatever they want yeah. for the clicks. So the other thing I used, which we've talked about before, is PubMed.gov. Mm. Uh, you can find almost any like any of these studies that the YouTubers talk mm. about, you can find on PubMed.gov. Um, and it's really helpful to actually read the paper and see what they say. Oftentimes, they will wait, like, you know, for the, for the views, people will way overinflate the conclusions. Mm. It's like the conclusion might be this was statistically significant, but only by, you know, only change things a little bit and they'll blow it way out of proportion saying, you know, whatever. Here's um, the one so, secret that doctors don't want you to know about. Yeah, exactly. And it's like this changed it by 3%. Right. Well, great. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I always go back to that. It's also really helpful for stuff like, uh, so my wife has been having knee pain recently and she heard on some random website that maybe walking backwards for 10 minutes a day might mm. help. And I'm like, that sounds weird. Uh, but I looked at PubMed.gov and I said, walking backwards, knee pain. And there was several different papers that basically showed for osteoarthritis, which we're not sure if she has or not, but uh, that walking backwards 10 minutes a day did help. Mm. And so why not? Mm. You know, so, so try that. And it's not like it's going to hurt you probably. Uh, but there is some scientific, you know, actual, actual thing. So, yeah, it's very interesting what you can find on uh, PubMed. That's a very good method. And I would strongly recommend the next time you do this sort of research project to try out ChatGPT because ChatGPT knows about everything okay. on PubMed. Sarah was using this for a graduate research paper that she did and she would ask it questions and it was a very collaborative process, but like it's able to, uh, some something you might have put into ChatGPT is like just asking it, uh, you know, my wife heard that walking backwards for 10 minutes can reduce knee pain. Is this true? And if so, can you cite any scientific literature and it'll give you an answer in plain english and cite scientific literature and sometimes it makes up the references i was gonna yeah. say is this like the lawyer who uh did you see that no this lawyer used chat gpt to file a, a, a motion or something in federal okay. court and it completely made up sources and the court was like we can't find these these case studies yeah. there are these case source numbers and so 
he had ChatGPT generate the cases and return it. Okay, that's <laughs> but, but <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Uh, his defense was that he thought ChatGPT was a research tool. He didn't know it would make stuff up. And I'm like, okay. yeah. He's dumb. <laughs> but, but he's a lawyer. Yeah. He should know this. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Anyway. AI is not so be careful. AI right now is, a, is an Iron Man suit. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta bounce it. Yeah. Uh, but if you have that in mind and you know that it, it is prone to making stuff up, uh, so like double check the the key sources that yeah. actually exist. But then you can ask it like, can you summarize this paper for me? Can and you can ask it specific oh, questions cool. about like, you know, what whatever the question your wife has of does it do I should I be barefoot? Is it better to do this inside or outside? It's able to summarize the data and come up with plausible sounding answers. And sometimes it makes them up. But if you know that and and are double checking the the important stuff, uh, yeah, that's that's a key use case of, of how I'm using it. I'm using ChatGPT by the way, like minimum of six times a day for like oh, cool. development questions for uh questions about my life for drafting blog posts for it's it's almost entirely replaced google for me and is giving me much better more actionable more more personal information uh yeah it's it's amazing it's it's been life-changing uh very strong evangelist of this tool like if you're not using it that's bad <laughs> this is, uh, this is a, a life-changing upgrade to uh your potential as a as a person cool yeah i'm not using it that much so i should probably try more but yeah i have That's one cool. more question on this thread and then we're running out of time and i have sure. I have so much stuff to talk about um <laughs> sorry yes nutrition is a big it's, it's big good topic. yeah uh i'm curious about what the moment was that inspired you to make this huge life change was it getting blood work done what what a few things so i've done this before I've, i i was at 230 before and i went back down to 200 um but i regained it all back in a few years that's you know um like that's why i'm focused on more long-term changes now like i really like this environment focused approach where i don't even have it in the house but i can eat it outside that right now to me feels really good um so that was part of it uh, blood work was a big part of it. So my triglycerides last time were sky high and we can talk all, I have a whole other talk about LDL cholesterol and triglycerides and all this stuff I could tell you all about if you want, but generally having those high is a bad idea, especially if your family has a history of heart disease and diabetes. Um, so they were sky high and, uh, my doctor was going to recheck. I'm actually being rechecked in three weeks. So it's been a few months. And, uh, so that was a big driver too. I want to drive those down. I don't want to go on crazy medications. Um, Although I'm on a statin now because of cholesterol. But anyway, so that was another one. And then uh, it was actually the climbing wall, which got me more interested. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I think I can build a climbing wall. And I'm like, oh, I'm terribly out of shape. Uh, and so I actually used the climbing wall as motivation to jumpstart this thing. Um, I think it's really important to have a motivation. And mine was I actually want to be able to climb better. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I pictured, not my blood work, not other things. Um, when I got this started. So yeah, I think finding a motivation like that was super important. That's good. That, that's funny. That was also part of my motivation to do this. I, I realized uh, in the, the Sarah and I and some of her friends went to a, a climbing gym recently and I have in my head the sort of climber I am and the sort of moves I'm able to do and I just wasn't able to hit that. Yeah. Like It was just gravity was just pulling me down a little more than yep. it should have. And the, the best body type to have as a climber is like you want a really high uh strength body weight ratio so it's like the best climbers in the world uh, uh adam andra alex Arnold, are all these uh, very lean 
relatively short men who just have the, all of the weight on their body is is muscle, um, and yeah. that's a, a desirable body type for me. I, I would like to have uh, that kind of body. So yeah, and then climbing in itself is super fun. It's like exciting and uh, lots of metaphors in there for just yep. life of uh, uh, climbing higher and uh, doing things that you didn't think were possible and like taking things one step at a time. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun sport. Oh, I was gonna ask you also. Um, if you've ever been outdoor climbing. So in Boy Scouts, I did that a couple of times, but no, I, I'm just interested in gym climbing. Although if I do it long enough, I know I'll be interested in outdoor climbing. I have climbing a quick sales pitch for you. Outdoor climbing, All right. outdoor climbing is incredible. It's the difference between running in a gym on a treadmill and hiking outside. It's, it's yeah. like they're related in that you're doing the same sort of physical things, but it's a different experience. And you do the running inside on a treadmill to enable you to, to hike outside. Um, it's like, I see the world differently now having done outdoor climbing. Like you, you look up at a mountain when you're driving on the highway and you're, and you're finding routes of like, Oh, I could climb that. And I, Oh, I think you right. would like it so much. Cause there's also this technical aspect to it. Oh, the gear. And you would get so into the gear <laughs> and all the, all the gear has numbers on it of like the ratings and, and how many kilonewtons it can hold. And there's uh, very complicated techniques and like the type of rope you need and the, you got to practice the knots of the right way to tie the knots. And there's all these safety checks and procedures and it's just, it's a blast. And then it's like, le there are legitimately terrifying moments where, you know, rationally, you know, you, you just clipped in and you know that if you fall, it's going to make roughly this many kilonewtons and all the gears rated for like 50 times more than that. But like you're looking down and it's like it's like thousands <laughs> of feet down. Thousands? Yeah. Thousand? I think thousands. If, if you're doing if you're doing Yosemite, yeah, it's like 3,000 feet. Yeah, like yeah. I, I've never climbed anything but uh, that I, I I would never do anything like that. Yeah. You say that, but like... You, uh, I didn't yeah. think I could either. And a, a, a yeah. buddy of mine from college, his name's Luke, uh, got me into this, and like, it's incredible. It's 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 amazing. Like, <laughs> to, and then to look back down after you've climbed it and and look at this, like it looks impossible, but you did it. Like the sense of accomplishment I feel, and the the uh, pushing myself mentally and physically, and it's like a full body puzzle, and you're connected with nature. Like you're you're up on a rock wall, like. Uh, uh, on the side of a mountain and you get to see little microcultures of life and little plants that have found little areas in the, in the, in the rock wall. And you're thinking like, how many, how many people are able to see this, that able to do this, this incredibly impressive physical feat of climbing up to this place and also having all the gear and experience they need to, to be able to get up here. Like it's, it's incredible. Uh, I, I, have you seen free solo? Yeah. Okay. Free solo is terrifying. Don't yeah. don't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> did you feel anything watching free solo of like it'd be really cool to to do this sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, and like I said, like in high school, I did get a taste of it, although it wasn't anything like that. It was, I think, it was maybe seventy feet up a, you know, it was pre, it was top rope, so it was pre, like all the gear was done for yeah. you. Um, but it was real rock, and it, you know, it was fairly easy climbing. But yeah, it, it felt really okay. good. I, so, I just want to plant that seed. Uh, it sounds like what you're doing is working, right. and, you're, and you're on the right track. But like I. I love climbing. I need outside. to get, yeah, I do need to get much better because I was way better in high school when I weighed, you know, or at the end of college, I weighed, I think, 175. That's basically where I'm trying to get to. That's middle of healthy range for me. And uh, we'll see. I need to get down there and gain more, more muscle before I, I would feel confident. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> um, 
that's interesting that 175 is the is a healthy range for you i think when i looked at it i thought 170 was a healthy range for me but you're you're several inches taller than me so that that doesn't make sense yeah i think i was i think it's like 150 to 180 or something like okay. that for me okay. yeah is that right i think i thought so I'll, I'll look that up again i think it may be uh i think what i've taken away from this conversation is i could be losing weight faster and i uh could probably be setting more ambitious goals for myself of like how much i would weigh um cool. yeah at, at six one a 140 to 180 is solidly healthy range 40 that's what it says 105 that stick. six one that seems that's what that's what it that seems too small that's what it says can you look up what it says for uh yeah. five nine yeah sure hold on just say 140 pounds here six five, one five nine 130 to 160 130 to 160 okay interesting i mean so the other thing about these charts is they are population charts yeah and so your ratio of fat to muscle makes a huge difference uh your like lots of things make a huge difference so uh that also may have been for women it didn't say men or women on there but okay. there that's different too so <laughs> i'm not a doctor <laughs> okay. don't come after me i think i i think i want to weigh like I, a muscular 170 i think that's my goal yeah i know i feel pretty good at 175 okay. so that was my goal uh yeah okay One, 175 to 180 cool I uh, look forward to <laughs> meeting you in the 170 range. Uh, Excellent. All right. Transitioning into some of my stuff. Anything else on the uh, uh, health nutrition? Exercise? No, we talked about that for way too long. Okay. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes over over the following cool. months. Uh, here's my transition from that. I have a fun weight list loss tip for you, and it's get food poisoning while you're at a conference. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no. So I was at Craft and Commerce. I had some really good insights. I'll, I'll talk about that next. Um, and the first full day of the conference, we went out to eat, and I think I had a uh, oh I forgot the name of it a uh, uh, raw seafood bowl poke bowl Pokey. yeah I had a poke Pokey. bowl yeah. and uh, it was delicious. And the next morning, I felt like a little queasy, so I, I skipped breakfast. And then later that day, I felt like the conference room was unusually cold, and so I like went outside mm. and tried to warm up in the sun. And then I started feeling kind of really nauseous. And then I went to the bathroom to see, like, do like, what what needs to leave my body right now from which end? Uh, and I <laughs> threw up, which I uh, hadn't thrown up in a long time. And I texted Sarah immediately yeah. afterwards, like, throwing up sucks. I'm so sorry you went through this the first <laughs> trimester. Uh, she was throwing up, like, every other day. Um, oh, no. And then I felt so much better. And I was like, okay, definitely food poisoning. I feel much better. This is great. Uh, and then went to a talk and then just felt sort of like tired. And I was thinking, oh, let me, let me just go back and take a nap. And I went down and laid down and immediately had a fever and like joints mm. started aching and headache and, and neck was sore. And uh, so I was in bed starting from like 1 or 2 p.m. through the entire night and into the next day. And I called my dad and was trying to figure out like, is this a resurgence of Lyme disease? because Lyme disease felt a lot like this. And I was just in upstate New York where I got Lyme disease the first time. And he was like, well, let's wait it out and see. Like, you don't see the bullseye rash, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, the next morning I felt much better, which I didn't in Lyme disease. Like the, all the aches were, were much, much worse. So uh, I'm thinking it's food poisoning, uh, but a positive consequence of this is <laughs> I've lost a lot of weight in the last three days because I still feel <laughs> a little queasy and food just seems yeah. unappetizing. And I haven't eaten what this is like, uh, it, it was like a full day it was the night before and then a full day and then another full day and now i'm into the next day so like over a 48 hour fast i'm having trouble doing the, the math of hours 
Uh, but yeah, weighed myself and I'm, I had a schedule and, and <laughs> losing a pound a week. <laughs> and I feel really good, which is strange having not eaten for so long. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe I just fast and immediately plummet down to the weight I want to uh, get to. And as long as I'm working out and, you know, having water and, and salt, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get there the fastest. Uh, I'll pause there before I get into the, the crafting commerce stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I'll just say that's awful. Sorry. Um, the, from a weight loss perspective, uh, I do not recommend this strategy. <laughs> uh, but uh, also, if you if you do want to keep the weight off, uh, if you go straight back to your old eating yeah. habits, since it is almost all water and glycogen, uh, you'll you'll just gain that straight yeah. back. Um, so maintaining a caloric deficit right now uh, is a way to keep that weight yeah. off. So if you want if if you want to use this as a jump start, then yeah, I would say eat some high quality, uh, nutrition dense foods, but eat fewer calories. This would be a really good time, I think, to change my diet into more of a plant-based diet um yeah my body's like it, it's going to be a restart anyway no matter what i do so yeah this will be a good time to be much more conscious about like what are the foods that, that i want to be eating at craft and commerce i had some really good insights first of all i think i think this is a really targeted directed audience for the sort of person who i want to be building repurpose engine for um and the, the the two key insights that I've had so far from thinking about the conversations I had are first that another type of repurposing that I can be making from long form content are newsletters and blog posts. That's not something I thought about before, mm. but it's a craft and commerce by ConvertKit conference. So everybody there is thinking about uh, newsletters and, and uh, uh, blog posts. So yeah, it, posts. it makes perfect sense yeah. that, and you know, with, with LLMs, that's, you know another two prompts that i can add to this engine and, and i can be doing that for you uh that was the first insight the second insight was as a source of content i could also be ingesting courses because a lot of people there have these longer form courses want to be doing some sort of uh, yeah. marketing off of those so i can be taking people's courses and feeding those through exactly the same engine and making TikToks and uh other short form videos from it and also tweets and blog posts and newsletters uh so i, I feel like i've found a perspective on this problem that I don't think anyone else is taking that I feel excited about, that I feel excited about the person who I want to help with it. It's, it's creators, it's people who have courses. Uh, I loved everyone I was interacting with at the conference. I, I was fun and exciting. And like, you know, if I could go to that every weekend, I would, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with those people. Um, so that, that felt good. Like that, that core insight felt worth the, the whole conference. Um, I have three other points on that, but I'll, I'll pause there. What are your thoughts on uh, the, those two new sources of output and the, the new source of input? Yeah, that's great. Um, I think this is a great way to repurpose what you've already done for repurpose engine. Yeah, so uh, to, to, I mean, yeah, creators don't just have YouTube videos. They'll have YouTube videos plus a blog, plus a newsletter, plus a course, plus a, yeah. So the more of that that you can ingest and, and work with, the better, I think. Um, uh, maybe I should say this question for later, but did you talk to anyone who said they would want something like that? Is this, did this come from like customer type conversations or just general impressions? I was doing, I was trying to do like on the fly mom test style interviews. So intentionally yeah. not in, intentionally not talking about the product and, and like intentionally not trying to uh, have a conversation that would feel really good for me, uh, but wouldn't be very useful of like, getting them to say that they like my idea and they would buy it. Uh, yep, I, don't, yep. I don't believe yep. you. 
Um, but what I did hear from a lot of people is they're buying tools like this. People are experimenting with like chat GPT type stuff. They know that AI is a big thing. They're, they're finding out about new tools like this. I, oh, I had a lot of conversations where uh, a fantastic question to ask is like, if you hear about a similar tool that they're currently using, asking where they found out about it was it from a friend? Mm. Was it from some sort of private Facebook group? Was it from this other thing? So from asking that question, I got some leads into like, there's a few private Facebook groups. There's another conference that I haven't considered called FinCon that's more financial based. It's like, uh, my impression of it is, is it's creators who are specifically focused on finance. Um, seems to have a pretty good overlap. I, I hadn't thought about this before with uh, what I was doing. Also got recommended some Facebook groups to join and uh, there was one other one. So to answer your question, I I didn't push anyone to like, will you buy this? But I feel like from the conversations I was having, I got good feelings and strong signals asking in very indirect ways of like, what are the sort of products that you've bought before? Where are the sort of places where you look for new products? Um, it feels like a tractable market. Um, and I think, uh, it feels like I have about as much confidence as I could have without actually doing it and <laughs> trying to sell a thing. Uh, that's how I feel yeah. about that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It also intuitively makes sense. So I think that's, yeah, both good cool. signals. Um, this, my second main takeaway. So it was interesting because that, that was sort of focused on me talking with attendees, uh, at the level of like, I'm at this conference to, to talk to other people. Uh, as potential customers. And then I also had some insights at the level of that I'm uh, the consumer of this conference. One of those was, th there were a few different talks that, that kind of touched on the same idea, but it was this idea of finding finding a topic that you can be the person for. That like when it, when a topic comes up on the internet, there are people who will immediately think, oh, you're talking about uh, personal finance. You, uh, you know, the the guy for personal finance is Remit Sethi. So, uh, you know, let me recommend Remit Sethi to you. And it, it crystallized in my head a little bit. I'm still kind of chewing on this, but like I could be the guy for repurposing. I could be the person on Twitter hmm. and on the, the different social networks that whenever the topic of repurposing comes up, there's someone out there who's like, oh, you're thinking about repurposing. You got to check out this guy's stuff. He's got you know, this blog post specifically on the topic that you're talking about. Uh, he has this product for you. He's got a course on how to do repurposing. Like this is, this is the guy for this topic. And I contain multitudes. There's a lot of stuff I'm interested in. <laughs> and the idea <laughs> of narrowing my identity to a single way that I can help people, I think feels a little scary. I don't like that, but I also think that's just part of growing up. Like a child has infinite potential this is like the classic story of peter pan uh but but potential if it's not realized and directed in a in a direction and a purpose is uh well it's unrealized potential right like you know if i'm 40 yeah. and, and i'm still kind of or, or i don't know 50 and still dabbling and like oh i do a lot of different things I, you know I, I have the opportunity to hone myself into like i am the best person in the world to help this particular type of creator repurpose their content uh that that might just be that i'm afraid of maturing uh what are your thoughts on that um i have near identical feelings um there's two sides there's personal and then there's the so the corporate side of this uh, 
the corporate side or the business side is exactly the same as in freelancing. People, when I used to do more freelancing, they would ask me, should I be a generalist or a specialist? And it feels scary to specialize. So like, it feels good to say like, I am a full stack web developer. I can do whatever you want. You know, even that's more general or more specific than just developer, but full stack web developer, you know, I can do whatever you want back and front end, you know, whatever. That's one pitch. The other pitch is, uh, I am a React developer who specializes in making, you know, map pages really fast when you have a thousand things mm. loaded on it. Um, that's extremely specialized, but the people who need that really mm. need it and they will pay a lot mo of money for it. Um, and while it feels like you will have fewer clients, you're only one person. And so you actually end up getting more clients and more quality clients the more you specialize mm. generally in freelance. I think there's a similar corollary here, which is you can do anything, but if you're the anything guy, then people don't come to you for whatever and you have to fight to get you know people. The more you are the whatever guy, the more people will come to your service or your whatever. So from a business side, I see super value in specializing, like, like very high returns in specializing. But from a personal side, uh, it scares me very yeah. much because what if I get bored of this thing in yeah. two years? <laughs> I don't want to be the whatever guy. Um, so I totally get that. Yeah. I, I don't know the right balance to strike. Uh, one is to do more stuff under your brand instead of under your name. Mm. That way, if you get bored of it, you can sell it and whoever buys it can you know, be the whatever company yeah. instead of the whatever guy. The problem with that is that people, especially like smaller, um, purchasers they, they buy from people not from businesses and so they want to see that there's a you know respectable person behind the thing doing the whatever so that's the trick there um so in short i have no answers it will almost certainly be better monetarily to specialize but whether or not that translates in, into happiness for you is is a different story i like that perspective i think you i think you understand my position um okay yeah, I don't know what to do about that yet. Yep. Okay. I would at, at least try it under the brand name. So at least start getting blog posts and stuff out under your brand name. If you hate it in two years, you can always sell the, the company. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is... If, if you do it under your personal name, I, I totally get it. It feels like you can't back out of that mm -hmm. position then. Um, I totally get that. Uh, but if you do it under a brand name, that brand can live on without you. Yeah, so I like that. That's what I would do to start and see how it feels, I guess. I'm also thinking about the experience that I have when I have a particular problem and I find someone on Twitter who has the name of that problem in their in their name, that they're yeah. the whatever guy. I feel this confidence and sense of relief of like, oh, good, I found the guy. <laughs> Here's the person who's going to yep. help me with this thing. And I would like to be able to do that for other people. And maybe that's, I'm not, I don't know. So, so this is the, this is the other thing too. What you just described, you found the guy and they're the guy and you use the, and you use the thing. Um, that is probably most common, which means if you want to be the repurposed yeah. guy for say two years, and then even if you stopped cold Turkey and changed your persona, then at least for those two years, you'd be the repurposed yeah. guy. And after that, most people who found you wouldn't even know you used to be the repurposed mm. guy. Like your friends and stuff would know that you did this weird shift and you'd be like, why did that happen? Um, but that, that's kind of how I feel shifting. I, I shifted fairly hard from web development into more of the AI mm. stuff. Um, 
and I'm in the middle of that shift right now. Uh, and it was, it was scary because like I built my entire freelancing reputation on, you know, web development, especially react development. And so, yeah, it was, it was scary to shift, but, um, it's possible. Like it's, it's not the end of the world if you just completely drop and switch personas like people yeah. do all the time. Yeah. This isn't a trapdoor decision. I can decide in two years if I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? That was a terrible idea. Uh, I can, I can take the audience that I built and swing it into something else. I think there was a talk on this actually that, that, uh, talked about how you can still change directions and yeah it's not it's not as scary as it seems uh okay well it, it, that's that's an emotion i'm thinking about um what's the next thing oh i i was struck by the positioning of convert kit the way that nathan berry's uh positioned the company in a very crowded marketplace right this is mailchimp this is uh godaddy i think has their own email service it's a bunch of like big corporate companies and he's carved out this business that's making, I think he said at the at the conference, something like $4 million a month, which is just so yeah. much money to me. I'm sure on the scale of, I'm not sure how much money, you know, uh, MailChimp is making. I mean, uh, probably yeah. an order of magnitude more than that or something. But like the way that yeah. he's positioned himself in the market, he is the best solution for creators to, to run their business predominantly on email. Um, and everything about the business is, is supporting that. He at the conference launched this new uh platform that came out of an acquisition where creators can now make money by referring people who sign up for their list to other people's lists fantastic idea and that's totally aligned with with what convertkit is as a company and it's not something that mailchimp would have done because mailchimp doesn't have this alignment of they're not making a product for the same sort of person yes you can get the same job done but uh, i i really liked just what i felt about the way that they're solving this problem which like it sends email right like it's not it's not crazy right. it's you, you type up stuff and you have an email list and you send out the email but it makes four million dollars a month and it makes four million dollars a month i think because it has a tight alignment with knowing who the person is and and uh helping them with the problems that they have and you can feel that when you go there like that they had swag that said i'm a creator or something uh you know they, they know yep. what these people are calling themselves and they know what they want and need and the pains that they feel and they're able to, to address that so i think it, it hammered home for me this idea that even in a marketplace where there's a lot of people approaching this problem of how to repurpose long-form video in different ways i can be the convert kit of the repurposing space uh and that i i, I felt a much stronger confidence of like this isn't so scary that there's a ton of competitors because I have my unique take on this. I have a, a particular type of person who I'm wanting to help with this. Um, and that, yeah, I, I feel a, an increased sense of confidence that I'm moving in the right direction with this project. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's good. It sounds like it was positive for you despite the uh, food poisoning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. uh, a little sad that I missed a day of it, but uh, it couldn't have happened any other sure. way. That's, that's how it happened. So uh, it's okay. We are at an hour. Are you okay going longer? Yeah. I have a lot more to talk about. All right. Yeah, sure. All right, do, is there anything you can cut for next time? Or uh... Uh, I mean, I can, but it's stuff that happened. I don't know. I'd like to talk about it now. Okay. Listeners, are you okay? Keep going. Are you Keep okay going. going a little longer? Can't hear them. I heard a, I heard a lot okay. of yeses. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the last time we talked, I had devised this scheme for myself of backwards planning file inbox. And 
fantastic exercise went through like okay from from launching the new serverless thing that i've been stuck on for years ah we talked about it it's, it's, i think we talked about it in like the first or second episode of this podcast i'm still doing it um and uh it was very clarifying seeing all that and then i i took that plan estimated how much time it would take multiplied those time estimates by two and then put that on a calendar uh in reverse order and that gave me a nice little to-do list with a nice little schedule which i've printed out and for anyone watching this on video, you can see right here. Look at that. There's there's the whole list. Uh, there's a nice. table on top because it was hanging on my wall. And a couple days after starting this, the the very first thing to do was uh, finish the Google Drive integration. So all the all the same stuff you can do for Dropbox, but on Google Drive. Um, two days into that, I, I estimated it would take a day to finish that. Um, two days into it, I was still working on it. Uh, and the next thing to do was finish theming. Uh, and theming I thought would take me a day, so so budgeting in two days. And two days after that, I was still working on it. And then uh, still working on Google Drive, the, the very first thing. And then uh, flew with Sarah to my cousin's wedding in New York. And so my work uh, capacity was limited, but we were still working. Sarah was up there working, so you know worked for a couple of days. Uh, while I was up there, I had scheduled that I would finish the internationalization uh, integration that would, I thought would take half a day, so I budgeted a day. And then I thought I would finish the forms, which is like half a day. And I'm still working on the Google Drive integration. <laughs> and then the next day, I wanted to re, uh, remake uh, the, the passcode feature. You can passcode protect different pages. Still working on Google Drive. And then I took a few days off because I went to visit my grandparents and my uncles. And then I went to the conference. And so now here we are, uh, like, I don't know, a quarter of the way down this page. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six features that I thought <laughs> would be done with by now. And the Google Drive is still not done. So that's where I am. I'm making yeah. progress on it. It's just a lot more complicated than I thought. So I think this is me learning to be a better project manager, uh, like better estimating time. I thought I was being very conservative with, first of all, my my time estimates and then also multiplying it by two. I was like, well, surely, surely it won't take this long. And I'm even <laughs> skipping weekends. I'm even saying like, recognizing I'm not going to work on the weekends. But I think, I, I think the failure here was... Um, underestimating the complexity of the integration and also not taking into account travel uh that, like the, mm. the severity that, that travel would have on on what i was getting done um and i didn't even include the conference on here i, I assumed that the days i was at the conference i would just keep working i guess um <laughs> so that was that was a mistake uh so i like this is this is all good things i'm learning more about how I get work done and how I can be better estimating it. Uh, and it was, it, it has been enlightening to see how my actual path has deviated from the plan, even on the very first step. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's exactly why I pushed you to have a plan because if you didn't have a plan, you'd just be like, Oh, I'm working on Google drive and it'd be difficult to know, you know, exactly how yeah. long or whatever. Um, so now you can see exactly on paper how long it's taken. Um, the second thing I'd say, though, is that of features, integrations are, uh, his, historically for me at least, are notoriously extremely difficult and take way more time than you think. Um, integrations are probably the number one thing that I'm under underestimated uh, as well because you don't know until you get into it what you don't even know, right? So um, I hope that the rest of your features that are non-integration-based will be able to go more smoothly, more more closely. Yeah, your thank you. I think but, so, too. Uh, for exactly the same reasons. I think I was feeling optimistic about this one because I'd already done it with the the Rails app. Oh. So I was thinking I'm just going to reintegrate this. 
and I've fallen into a few pits of like wanting to do it the right way so that future integrations mm. are, are going to go much easier. So I have this beautiful system set up now where like to, to make my third integration after Dropbox and Google Drive, I basically just need to like write a single file that has this interface of here's the name of the method that uh, you authenticate with and here's the name of the method that you fetch account data with and here's the method that you, you transfer files with and it all has standard input and output. Beautiful system. So uh, I feel very proud of myself for putting this together. Uh, and this was a big source of stress for me with the, the Rails code base. So like, I feel confident that this is work that needs to be done. I just underestimated the complexity of it. So yeah, okay. I think I think other things are, are going to go much faster. Um, okay. I, I would say then whenever you finish this, just take all your dates and move them forward. Yeah. If you find the next feature also takes a long time, then maybe you have to expand your calendar a bit. Yeah. But I would try to see this pattern in at least two or three features before you uh, despair. <laughs> okay. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what's a good next thing to talk about? Uh, okay. This, this, uh, we're we're going to go on a little journey here, but uh, it's going to swing back. The executive assistant that I was talking about hiring, Jasmine, fantastic hire. One of the best decisions I've made. She's great. great. A night and day difference uh, between working with Rachel, who was working with the uh, through the uh, agency, and I talked about this before, but I think just because of how the incentives were aligned, because it was a flat rate contract that she works up to 20 hours a week, I right. felt much more of the responsibility of like pushing tasks to her instead of her pulling tasks off of my plate. Uh, Jasmine, the situation we have is I pay her hourly. If, if she's not able to find 20 hours of work, she doesn't get paid for 20 hours of work. Uh, she's much more proactive about it. Uh, she's taken a lot of stuff off. She's... Uh, very ambitiously like like you know i was talking with her about mom test style interviews and she's digging for like what can i be doing more of in that process and uh what's the book the mom test can i order that book uh is that a, is that a business expense so she has the book now she's reading it uh and I'm, i feel confident that like i think she could get to a point where she could be conducting these interviews uh cool. with me or like in replacing me so like that i'm starting to feel these little tastes of ooh, this is this is like the engines moving that that you know the business could be growing just because of the systems that I've set in place of like, I've hired this person to be able to conduct the interviews, to be able to get the insights, to be able to choose the direction of, of what the product is. So along those same lines, this has me feeling very optimistic about uh, hiring a React developer. Hmm. I've got this huge list uh, of like the things that need to get done in, in file inbox. It'd be great if I could find someone like Jack and they could be working on it with me in parallel. And having gone through a hiring process with Jasmine of, uh, following basically my method was just notice how I feel when I'm interacting with this person in the interview and ask him questions just to get him talking and uh but like see how I feel and sure. that yeah. led me to a fantastic hire that I'm really happy about so my rough plan with finding a react developer is I'm gonna have some interviews and just notice how I feel when I'm interacting with this person and if I could find someone that I could pay yeah thousand dollars a month i think is roughly my budget right now uh I, i'm flexible on what the number of hours they are you know depending on uh how much they charge per hour um but i'm just gonna experiment it's gonna be a you know thousand dollar experiment i'm just gonna see what does this look like uh because the thing with jasmine went so well my my appetite is wet uh unlike my physical appetite for food right now my my <laughs> appetite for hiring people uh is uh voracious like it, it would feel really cool to, to be able to have that same sort of interaction I'm having with Jasmine, but but code gets written. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, cool. Yeah, that sounds like it went really well. Um, I, I think that's totally a valid way to hire, especially because you're doing contractors. So it's also easy to just not renew their contract. You know, like worst case, you're out a few months or something. Yeah. Um, also, because generally, like people have a hard time of faking that sort of genuine, like you feeling good about them. Mm -hmm. Like that's hard to fake even in just a small interview, except I will say for salespeople, be very careful if you ever hire salespeople this way. We did this once and they're all good at talking. Mm -hmm. They're all very good at making you like them because that's what makes them good as a salesperson. Yeah, yeah. And so it's extremely difficult to hire salespeople that way in my experience. But everyone else, I think, I think this is a pretty valid way to, to hire. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how your developer works out at only a thousand a month. I would worry you would get people who are either too junior, want to do too few hours, um, or you know international, which can be great. Uh, I would encourage you to overlap time zones, though. Mm. But um, yeah, th those would be my concerns there. Have you thought about that? Yes, and I don't know what to do about it. Um, I I intentionally tried to frame the offer in a way that higher level people might still be interested in like there's there are situations that i could imagine where i would want to work for a thousand dollars a month uh yeah I, I wouldn't be working for very many hours uh but right. like that would be worth my time to to do that for okay certain so, situations so uh okay yeah i would say as long as you recognize that if, if you hire a senior person yeah. make sure you have tasks that can be done that are very well specified that can be done in short bursts of time yeah that's what i'd say if you have a more junior person they'll have more hours but you have to be either more of a mentor figure or extremely detailed in ways that help junior people which is different than senior people yeah so i, I would just be careful of that okay noted yeah i'm, I'm curious what the back and forth is going to look like of i'm going to need to think of i've never worked at a real job right i've like and, and when i've worked <laughs> for other people I, yeah. i've worked solo so there's a lot of systems i think i'm going to need to learn on the fly of code review i think is a thing that's a term i've heard before where <laughs> we're right? to figure yeah. out how do i review the code that this person's written and uh scan it for security flaws and what's the what does that feedback look like of uh you know I, I asked them to do a thing and they did it and i don't like what they did how how do i communicate that um i i probably don't want to just redo it and tell them they're bad i think that would be <laughs> not good um yeah yeah, I hear you on overlapping time zones. I think my expectation is to have like a roughly half hour meeting with them per week just to touch base and uh, like review the stuff they've done and, and clarify stuff I'd like them to do. Um, if they're more senior, I think that's fine. If they're a little more junior, one thing that I've seen work really well, if you have the time for it, is start by like the first month is pair programming where they watch you essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, the second month is pair programming where you watch them basically. Mm. And then from there you can, you know, after you get a feel for each other, very high bandwidth communication where you're like on for, you know, the whole time, then you can start shifting to more, uh, asynchronous communication or, or like a checkup meeting. Okay. Um, I've seen that work really well, but it takes more time up front. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a higher investment that I was framing, but I could see that working out really well. For the for the right sort of person my dream is to be able to have this set up in a way where code is getting productively written uh just by me sending a message to a person because mentally framing myself with a newborn i probably won't have <laughs> the time to do yeah. like the deep work and the deep focus that i love doing but that that would, would need to be done uh to be able to code so 
if if stuff can still be pushed forward on the code front uh depending on the time zone like while i'm sleeping that, that'd be really right. cool yeah i think the two ways are hire someone senior right out the gate uh or invest in a more junior person now so that when you do have a baby you can do that like they know your code base very well yeah. and stuff like that yeah. yeah okay i love teaching i'm totally open to you know for a, for a bright junior developer who knows a little bit of react like teaching them the ways that i do things also with trash gpt i feel like the game has totally changed like it's a little dangerous but a junior developer can have the output <laughs> of a senior developer if yeah they have the right oversight i guess <laughs> yeah yeah if they if the systems are in place i think like if if we settle on some sort of thing of i use chat gpt to write the test cases maybe and then they write the code that would be a little too involved for me though because writing the test cases can can sometimes be just as complicated as doing the thing um right yeah i don't know i'm curious it's an exploration it's an experiment yeah and, uh, I'm, I'm sure i'll do it wrong the first time uh yeah Probably. but I'd, I'd like to be moving in that direction so yeah, yeah that's cool i'm doing that front at the same time that I'm doing that, uh, I have another consulting job, uh, which, right. oh, I just remembered. I'm not supposed to talk about that yet. So I'll table that. I'll table that for next time. <laughs> um, All right. But I thought it was ironic that like I'm hiring and being hired out. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like a, a funny thing. I did that too. I hired an employee while working, but cool. yeah. 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 I think it makes sense. Um, okay. Last thing. Uh, and then we, we can't talk about the Apple Vision Pro if you want, since, since we've already uh, gone over. But uh, the, the thing I, I want your feedback on is I had this idea of taking projects that I'm potentially interested in and finding creators who have an audience that would really fit that product. So like for the finance tracker that I'm, I've been chewing on, what if I went to like Ramit Sethi or some other uh, person in the, in the finance space and said, hey, how would you like Ramit Sethi's finance tracking app and here's roughly what i'm thinking about it and i read your book uh and summarized it from ChatGPT and like asked ChatGPT what sort of allegation you would want to make uh and here's roughly what i'm thinking uh how would you like to partner on this and i don't know we split the revenue or or I, i'm not sure what that would look like but uh i i'm curious on, what, on your hot take of that general concept and if, if you have any thoughts on like how that offer might be framed to the to the person with the audience yeah so first of all someone like remit seti who has a team is probably zero interest in that mm. from someone on the outside uh he probably wants to control exactly what goes out under his name and he already has a team to do it so i think you'd have to go down the ladder like if people who don't have teams or you know like that type of thing mm -hmm. that's my guess but who knows you know maybe you email him and it actually turns out to be the case that he does want that uh, but i doubt it um yeah he's he's elevated he, he's stepped up a, a rung in the in the fame list his his show right now yep. on netflix i don't know if you've seen is like one of the top watched shows on netflix yeah i saw the first one it, it's kind of an interesting premise where he goes to actual people with actual finance troubles yeah. and works it out right yeah. yeah so i watched the first one seemed captivating but yeah. he's he's like a legit celebrity now <laughs> right exactly yeah. so that that's why like you know yeah he has whole production teams working on stuff yeah. so yeah um if i went down and found someone who did not have a whole production team, then if I imagine myself as that person, what I would want to see is what have you done before, especially who you've worked with before, which might be tricky. So you you may need to start with people you already know. Um, that's my guess. So if you know, or, or hmm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I <laughs> That was my initial. I have yeah. directly Go emailed Ruben Sethi in the past. We were talking about repurposing stuff. He didn't use my thing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> 
But you I, could try again then. I know sure, people, why not? I know people that don't. <laughs> okay. The, the other thing is, if you are working on repurpose engine and you're trying to upgrade file inbox to uh, serverless and have taken many days, total on distraction. Feature, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Is it a distraction? No question. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I would be be careful what you wish for uh, with emailing people. Yeah. Yes. We're we're in we're in fantasy land right now. Of, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Here's an idea idea out there for anyone yeah take christian's idea Please. email people and uh, be like do you want a thing what's the what's the sort of offer that you think would be attractive to someone that has an existing audience uh and i recognize the way to like actually get this information i think would be to do monta style interviews on i mean probably I, I would not email them and just be like do you want a thing because that that means nothing to people like yeah. like people email people like that all the time if you made a demo or you uh, made mock-ups mm. or something like that and said, this is what I envision it could look like. You know, are you interested in talking about how we might partner with this? Mm. That That's probably what I would lead with. Make sure you have something to show them, yeah. not just, I want to make you an app because okay. that means nothing. What would you expect financially as someone with an audience? Would you expect like splitting like revenue, 50 Yeah, 50. if it has their name on if if it has their name on it, splitting at least profits, uh, maybe revenue. Okay. Yeah, 50-50 probably. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, people like that are used to getting eighty percent, like, like you know, like or or no split at all. Like that, they're used to paying developers some amount and then getting a hundred percent. So yeah, you got to be better than that somehow. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Something to chew on. Would you like to talk about the Apple Vision Pro or save it for next time? Uh, j just we had a few thoughts. Uh, sure, we can talk about it a little okay. bit. Uh, why not? <laughs> We're already over. <laughs> it's fun. yeah. Uh, yeah, m my initial thoughts was it looks very interesting, but since no one has long-term use of it yet, and we don't even have like videos of people using it yet, I don't know how it's better long-term than like an Oculus. Like, yes, the specs are better. Yes, you can read text, which is very interesting, but I just I just don't know what I think about it until people get more experience with it. So that was my take. That's fair. I think that the killer technical feature of it for me is the crazy resolution my understanding is it's the highest yeah. resolution of any vr or ar headset that's ever been made um interesting though in in hearing about people who have tried it uh which i think right now the only people from the public that have tried it tried it at an apple's event for only yep. half an hour or something they're not saying it's the same or better resolution of looking at a tv they're they're just saying they're impressed by it and the text is readable I would love to try this in person. I like yeah. there is a device that looks like this that that would become a device that I would just use every day that would be part of my general workflow. If I could take my laptop, although this thing has an M2 chip in it, so if, if it could just be functioning like my laptop, if I can get a a decent text editor in there and get a terminal, although that's extremely hard to do with <laughs> iPad-like devices, which it, it looks like this is going <laughs> right. to be. But if if I could do that, like okay, amazing. I can take this thing, throw it in my backpack, and now I'm not just taking my workstation with me. I'm taking my office with me. Uh, if, if I could take this and uh, I, I was thinking at first, it would be great to have virtual monitors, but I don't really want virtual monitors. I want to be able to just take application windows and, and put those anywhere in 3D space. So if I could do that and the text is as readable as it is on my retina display, uh, great. <laughs> this is what I yeah. use now instead of a laptop. Um, I'm, I'm extremely excited for it. I would really like to try it and in this moment i really want one but i think that i'm i'm curious to see what the actual hardware feels like 
Yeah, that, yeah, I I would really want to try it too, especially for thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, which <laughs> is, is cheap. It, it's cheap when you consider high end monitor setups, yeah. uh, but extremely expensive when you consider the Oculus, which is like four hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other thing that I talked to you earlier was like I, my eyes get tired after a while in VR, so it, this is not. I don't think I would lo- want to like work eight hours a day with the screens an inch from my face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be very interested to see how eye strain uh how yeah how people use it and how eye strain is with this compared to other devices putting a strong emphasis on having uh corrective prescription lenses in it i think they partnered with yeah or someone else i think that's gonna make it easier and could, for sure. also anecdotally i have had gaming sessions in the oculus that have lasted like five hours uh there's and that's really low resolution that's uh you know i'm not yeah. i'm not using my glasses in it so the it's it's a little blurry but uh i have a comfortable head strap and i found an insert in the front that's that's pretty comfortable and uh when i take it off i've got like this ring around my face which uh isn't great but i i as a proof of concept of like can i spend the amount of hours necessary for long stretches of time in vr uh for me the answer is yeah i I definitely can uh cool yeah yeah it is cool future's here and (laughs) oh man the shot they had in the demo of being on a plane and having the headset on and then it's like sure. their virtual yeah. tv screen i did that with an oculus and it was terrible because oh. it like isn't correcting for the, the up and down but in brief moments where the plane was flying steadily and the oculus wasn't thinking that i was like <laughs> jumping up in the air 30 feet uh and then right. just like catapulting myself out of this virtual movie theater uh it was great it was like i went from being in this cramped economy seat where i'm, I'm just feeling the psychic pressure of everyone around me to feeling this like spacious ah it 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 completely transformed how i felt about being on that flight and the idea of taking my entire workstation with me in that environment is like incredible it's really cool right now and the thing that i wanted as a child to be able to take my laptop with me but it's fundamentally different than taking my office with me wherever I go right. to be able to have the exact environment that, you know, the only thing I need is a chair and I can be as productive as I am at home. Like that's a, that's a dream. That'd be, that'd be really, really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for the future. I can see that on planes for sure. Yeah. I was about to say, I could see that like on subways and stuff too, but that seems like a terrible idea because you're going to get, get that yanked off your head. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So fast. <laughs> yeah if someone tries to drive you uh, on a plane there's, yeah. they can't like run away they can't go anywhere yeah exactly <laughs> that's funny <Yeah. laughs> i wonder if you could make trains safer by just locking people in there longer <laughs> not sure how that would work um like long distance like a plane i guess are, are safer interesting probably like an amtrak or something yeah, yeah. yeah you can't just escape yeah. yeah uh cool chris that is all i got that's all i got too then i'll see you next week goodbye